Thanks for tuning in to the Gist of It podcast. If you've ever said, I need to get my shit together, then this is the podcast for you. The honest, straight-talking mental health and mindset podcast from Gist Coaching with your host, Chris Piercy. Hey there, how you doing? This is Chris Piercy of uh, Gist Coaching and welcome to the Gist of It podcast. You know, several seconds in and you know, you're already questioning, is this going to be worth my time? What can I expect? What are future episodes going to be like? What's Chris wearing? And other questions as well. So this podcast is to design, uh, you know, this episode particularly is designed to, you know, explain some of those things. Um, and I'm also going to be talking about, um, you know, my own life and, you know, what I'm doing to help myself mentally. Because basically that's what it's all about. It's about helping you, the listener, whoever you might be, to give yourself a better life. Um, not through anything weird or complicated. It's using kind of therapeutic techniques that I've learned from my training. It's through philosophy. It's through life experience um, and, a, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, basically, the, I'm not really here trying to get you to work with me one on one. Trying to get you to pay me money to you know become a coaching client. Um, I mean, I, I only work with twenty people at a time anyway, so um, you know it's not like if I'm putting a podcast out to hundreds or thousands of people, like I want to work with all of you because I simply can't. What I'm all about is trying to help people to help themselves by providing insight, advice, tips, which will basically mean the same thing, um, to help you improve things for yourself. Now, the, uh, the tagline for the business at the moment is better mindset, better decisions, better life. And that's something that, you know, I've, I've Kind of firmly stand behind as a thing because I think that getting your mindset right is you know your mindset your attitude you know how you think about things whatever you want to call it getting that bit sorted first is the like is the most important thing it's the foundation because if you've got the right attitude towards something then ultimately you're going to make better decisions for yourself and then you know if you're making more good decisions than bad decisions in general then you are going to have a better life. I mean, that's that seems pretty logical. Please pull me up on it if you think that's completely wrong. So these episodes are going to be designed to help you to improve that mindset of yours, to help you make better decisions, and ultimately so you have a better life. You have better mental health, uh, you have better self-esteem, uh, you care less about the opinion of others, you know, all the things that are going to help you to be um, the type of person that you you know you perhaps you, you want to be not that there's maybe anything wrong with who you are now but I'm always on a journey I hate using the word journey it sounds so yeah but I am always on this kind of journey to be the best version of myself that I can um, with literally everything I do so that's you know nutritionally emotionally mentally physically um, physically it's been particularly difficult um, in the last year or more I'll get into that in a little bit um, but yeah that's that's what I'm all about that's how I want to live my life by being the best version of myself and, and I think that there's no there's no downside to trying to be the best version of yourself doesn't mean there's anything wrong with what was happening before but if you can be an even better version of yourself then why not Have you got the gist of it yet? What's been going on for me? Well, in today's episode, I'm going to be talking to you 
about uh, having major surgery during a pandemic. I'm going to be talking to you about thinking I was going to die, which was fucking terrifying. Um, going to be talking to you about the techniques that I've been using mentally in order to you know, facilitate my recovery from surgery. I mean, I mean, at the time of recording, you know, I was well a week ago at this very moment. Um, I was just waking up from a, a two to three hour um, spinal fusion operation um, and woke up in searing agony. So, yeah, let's go into that. Basically, today's episode, there's, I've got no notes, I've got no script. It's more or less going to be a bit of a stream of consciousness just to see where this kind of goes. I just want to be honest about how I'm feeling about stuff and just so you can get to know who I am and what I'm about and you know how I approach things and you know if something that I'm doing a technique that I'm applying to myself or something that I say you know resonates with you then great you know you can go away use it on yourself or whatever um so you know we'll, we'll see where it goes um so yeah having a um, having an operation during a pandemic I mean it was I've had this is my third operation to try and sort out a back issue which has been plaguing me for about the last 16 months um, so I've had two surgeries before this I had some epidurals and you know they ultimately failed I was just left in you know stupid amounts of pain left with lot left taking lots of painkillers um, which you know everyone says oh you get morphine or oh, you get you know pregabalin you get gabas or whatever it's exciting it's like yeah, when you once you've been taking them for, you know, months and months and months, it's 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 not fun, it's not cool. It's just it's mostly like oh, I have to take these or I can't really function properly. You know, it's not it's it's not a badge of honor by any stretch of the imagination. It's quite a quite just like oh, this is not great. I'd rather not take these, you know, insanely insanely strong painkillers actually. But there we go. So yeah, anyway the. The operation. I mean, I've been waiting for it since you know, middle of February, so you know, getting on for about eight months, which is a long time to be, you know, waiting for an operation. So you know, I spent quite a long time um, trying to avoid the op- actually avoid having the operation itself by getting myself down the rehab route. You know, and the rehab route in the middle of the lockdown basically meant kicking myself up the arse and working out which exercises I was physically capable of doing without making my back worse or making it angrier or you know causing any other problems which is you know quite a tight rope to be walking with a like badly slipped disc um you know but I got myself in probably the best shape I've ever been in to be perfectly honest um you know I wasn't able to do any leg exercises or ab exercises um so it was a lot of you know, a lot of upper body work, shoulders, um, you know, triceps, biceps, um, you know, working on my lats as well, my chest. Um, but, you know, it was all, you know, tweaked versions of um, normal exercises, you know, sometimes on a slightly different plane or a different angle, you know, so that you're still getting the um, contraction and the right amount of work through the muscle itself. But, you know, without putting strain through the back because, you know, the back simply isn't strong enough or wasn't strong enough to um, 
to deal with that sort of thing you know if you're trying to if you're doing a standard like bent over row you know if you if you're not into fitness or whatever, you won't know what that is, perhaps. But you're leaning forwards and kind of li lifting up a weight. You know, if you're putting extra weight through a back which is already angry, it's just it's, it's physically you cannot do it. The back just goes, no, I'm not doing that, and it will scream at you in pain and say, please don't do that ever again. You know, so it's work finding out ways around these things. Um, and like, like I said, I've probably got into probably the best shape I've ever been in just through you know eating pretty well and you know doing exercise on a regular basis that I was able to do because I had an awful lot of time on my hands but I think that's I think that's one of the things that we can I could have very easily sat making excuses saying yeah I, I can't actually do any working out because I have this lit disc and that is you know it's, it's, a, it's an entirely valid excuse you know it's, it's an, well, an entirely valid reason to, to not work out Oh, you've got a, uh, a slipped L5 S1 disc, and it's you know you've had two operations and three epidurals, uh, and it keeps slipping. Um, yeah, maybe don't work out. Absolutely fine, you know. You know, there's you can always, even if it's a good reason to not to do, there's a good reason not to do something, doesn't mean you necessarily shouldn't do it. I mean, I had time, I had the inclination to try and get myself in really good shape. I really wanted to avoid the back operation. So I went down that route, and I think there's a lot to be said for that. I mean, I, and I'm not, I do not have an ego, and I'm not, I'm trying to get more comfortable with the idea of receiving praise about myself in some ways. You know, that's, you know, I have my own, my own things I'm working on, get into those a bit later on. Um, but I did a fucking good job of getting myself in shape and rehabilitating myself but bottom line is the back didn't respond you know it didn't the disc didn't unslip itself it was like yeah you're in really good shape now yeah but you also still have the slip disc which you know means that you can't really walk for more than five minutes and it's you still have to take all the drugs so yeah but yeah I guess the reason I'm diving down into this bit at the moment is to kind of attack the idea of excuses um, and reasons. You know, they are people interchange them quite, quite freely. Um, and it's yeah, it's, it's very easy just to say, yeah, I can't do that because of this, and that might be valid, but you could just as easily say, I'm going to be doing this despite of this. It's like I'm going to work out even though I have this slip disc. I mean, don't. It has to be done, and, I, and I'm, when I'm talking about excuses, I'm not just talking about my back or a bicep issue, or you know you have a shoulder problem or you have a neck problem. Um, I'm talking about you know anything when you're like, oh, I can't go to the shops because of this global pandemic, but you've actually got social anxiety and you don't like like really going out. So yeah, it's a, it's a it's a good reason to to not go out, but is that reason that actually you know masking something which is a bit more true to you it's like yeah this this is what i'm going to tell people and this is the the kind of inverted commas truth i'm going to tell myself but yeah i actually don't want to go out because it's more comfortable for me to carry on doing the thing that i'm more comfortable with so i'm just going to keep using this very convenient reason i've got to carry on not doing that and if that does apply to you don't think that i'm hating on you at all Having you know, having anxiety, agoraphobia, you know, social anxiety, and things like 
is really just not a fun thing to experience whatsoever. But I think it's really important to be really honest with yourself and say, you know, with that example I just used, if you're avoiding going out because of the social anxiety, then be honest and say, yeah, I'm not going out because of the social anxiety. Now, if, you, if, you, if you're using another excuse, such as a global pandemic, which is, you know, like I said, valid reason. Sorry, one second. I'm going to have a drink. Being honest about the genuine reason that you're not doing something is really, really important, I think. And because once you've once you've accepted the fact that I'm not doing, I'm not going out because I have social anxiety, as your genuine, that's your truth. You know, once you're accepting that, instead of I'm not going out because there's a global pandemic, then it means that you are the first step towards working towards you know sorting yourself out in terms of that social anxiety um you know don't want to dive into particular techniques around that at the moment that's probably a story for another day because it was just a random example that popped into my head but um i I think it's really important to start being incredibly real with yourself about why you are not doing certain things um why you're avoiding things why you're doing something else rather than something you could be doing um check your excuses check your reasons and make sure that you're yeah you're being honest with yourself because once you're being completely honest with yourself you know and and others around you as well you are going to start making more progress towards resolving whatever issue that you have um so yeah there's a bit of a a rant on that um but yeah i was i was talking about having surgery in the global pandemic and yeah apart from the face masks it wasn't really a lot different um the level of care that i received from the nhs uh was exceptional all the staff were lovely very friendly smiling with their eyes as they're being told to do um everyone treated me with such warmth you know at, at no point was there there was one member of the kind of catering staff who you know I just think she had resting bitch face, but for like resting bitch life, um, whatever that means. Um, just, just not capable of that kind of genuine human warmth. Just like, yeah, I just want to get in, put the food down, and leave. That's my job. I don't, I don't give a shit about anything else, <laughs> which is fine. Um, yeah, she was, she was, she was great, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but like in general, the like the NHS, uh, the staff, you know, the, the healthcare assistants, the nurses, uh, the doctors, my surgeon, you know, all all of them just you know were just fantastic. You know, if um if I hadn't known there was a global pandemic going on, um, you know, I wouldn't wouldn't have known about it. You know, there was nothing nothing that felt really different apart from just the wearing of face masks. Um, that that was basically the, the only difference so you know if you're you have upcoming surgery and you're perhaps worried what it's going to be like um it's um it's not really a lot different oh the, yeah, the other thing is the amount of ppe being used and in my opinion it kind of felt like a lot of it was wasted but you know they've got protocols to follow so they've got to do what they've got to do right um 
but yeah, all of them are very attentive to the idea of washing their hands and you know, new pair of you know gloves every time you go anywhere near anyone and you know all that kind of important stuff. Um, but yeah, at, at no point did the the fact that there was a pandemic really enter into my head in terms of it, you know, affecting anything. My main concern was that I just had a major back operation and it really, really, really hurts. Um, <laughs> So that th- those were my concerns. Um, nothing to do with the pandemic. So um, you know, I I would say that if you're only exp- I mean, this is at the time of speaking, we don't know what's going to be happening with um, admission levels to hospital and kind of amount of COVID patients actually on being on ventilators in the kind of the coming months. But at the time of speaking, um, you know, it was it was very fluent. It was good. Um, it was impressive. Um, they they were really really great and I'm like very very grateful um, to them. Um, but yeah, I just touched on how how painful it is. Um, before I had my first back operation, which was um, you know, November two thousand and nineteen, um, I remember actually lying down on the floor of the hospital waiting room because I couldn't. It was too painful to stand. It was too painful to sit. The only thing I could do, and there weren't many people in the reception, might be, might not have been anyone. Um, the only thing I was comfortable doing was just actually lying down on the floor. That's, you know, that's how bad it was. I could just about walk with crutches, but you know, I'd, I'd sooner not. Um, and the surgeon said that he'd had female patients before that had reported that the pain from this level of disc slip. Uh, was actually worse than giving birth, and other people have said it was worse than kidney, like passing a kidney stone, which is the you know the other very kind of very painful thing that people talk about happening. Um, so it's intense and constant um, levels of pain that you know you're having to having to deal with, um, and then post this operation, you know, in the immediate recovery, waking up. It was probably the worst it's ever been. It was, and you know, I was on some mega drugs. I think I was on fentanyl at the time, which is apparently seventy times stronger than morphine. So it's, you know, it's not, it's not cowpole. Um, and yeah, it was couldn't move at all because it was so agonising. Staying still was agony, and just had to lie there in this excruciating pain. Um, and if you've ever been in the, um, if you've ever had a time in your life where you're just in this pain level that almost defies belief, then you'll know what I'm talking about. I mean, that's that's the thing. Like people say, "Oh yeah, stub my toe; it's unbelievably painful." Um, I was like, "Yeah, it's not. You know, haven't really experienced." pain if you think that's painful um, yeah it's the pain that you know you, you literally cannot get your head around how intense a feeling it is it's yeah like I said defies belief so what what did I do what did I do to get myself uh, through it well um, initially I was just doing it completely wrong uh, I'll be the first to admit that, that. so I'm going to have a swig of water fascinating podcast when I'm swigging on my water. Yeah, um, I'll admit I was doing it completely wrong, but um, 
doing it right is very difficult when it's that intense. It's breaking that cycle of, oh my god, this hurts. 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 Because that's your brain is sending you these like excruciating signals, and all you can do is go, yeah, that really hurts. Yes, it does. And then you get in this kind of this loop, this kind of this feedback loop of oh my god it really hurts and then you get the pain signal goes yes it does really hurt because oh my god this really hurts and you, just, you keep feeding it around and you kind of almost start panicking because it's so painful and you don't nothing that you're you're, you're doing is improving it and it's not improving by itself so there came a point and I'm not I'd love to be able to say yes I did this or yes this came into my head or whatever um, but that's not quite how it worked but something twigged in my brain and went right. I need to do something to make this make it so I can actually cope, because this is too miserable to you know carry on doing this way. So uh, I'm going to share with you now is a technique which you can use for you know loads of different things. You know I'm going to be talking about it in terms of pain, um, but you could do it with regards to you know irritable bowel syndrome. You could use it for social anxiety. You could you know you can use it for anything which you're not comfortable with getting through. Because I was lying there, just thinking, I can't do this. You know, I, I actually physically don't think I can survive being in this amount of pain. It's just it's just too it's too much. It's too extreme something tweaked in my brain and I was like okay well let's think about this logically some logic came into my head from somewhere um, yeah it really really hurts and that's putting it very mildly um, but I'm not actually just going to die I'm not actually just going to die from this hurting a lot I mean I did think I was going to die but that's something I'm going to talk about in a minute but in terms of just lying there on the hospital bed in recovery you know on all the drugs in the world know with the oxygen mask on and everything else you know the fact that it was ridiculously painful wasn't going to kill me so some logic came into my brain and went yeah you might think that you can't do this but I am doing it and I'm not going to die from this I'm not just going to you know, keel over because the pain was a lot so and then start saying well I'm I am going to do this rather than rather than this kind of thing saying in my head I can't do this I started telling myself that I am going to do it, which you know this is like a kind of classic kind of CBT type thing of you know the way that you you know the way that you talk to yourself is gonna does influence how your brain works. You know it's just, it's there's a lot of science to suggest that you know the, the the belief in oneself to achieve something you know largely affects whether that outcome happens or not. So just telling myself I am going to do this because I was um, that that's the first step but then the technique I want to talk to you about and I I honestly don't don't know where this technique came from I mean I'd love to turn around and say I invented this but I, I don't think I did um, if you do know where this technique um, originates from then do please let me know because I've I used it within my therapy practice uh, for years, I've used it myself. I've recommended it to others, and I don't know the source to recommend it to. So I call it the next one second technique. So I have some more water. Oh, big swig that time. Um, and the idea is 
just to say to yourself, can I get through the next one second? Like if you're lying in hospital in agony, can I get through the next one second? And then by the time you've kind of thought that, you have actually already achieved that. And then you could say to yourself again, can I get through the next one second? And then again, you've done it. And then maybe you get a bit bold and say, can I get through the next two seconds? And you count to two. And then you go, oh, can I get through the next five seconds? Because you know, no matter what you're dealing with, you know, whether it's extreme emotion from a breakup or whether it's grief or whether it's pain, whether it's guilt, getting through a whole day is just getting through a whole bunch of one seconds. You know, you want to get through a minute, you've got to get through 61 seconds. Now, if I started off by saying, right, I'm going to deal with this pain and told myself, I'm going to get through the next minute. A minute when you feel like you're being like violently stabbed in the lower back is a long, long time. A second is manageable. You need to break down the long-term idea of something into lots and lots of little ones. But don't even think about how many lots of little ones there are. All you're doing is you're starting by saying, can I get through the next one second? And by the time you thought and asked yourself whether you can, you just did. And then you just keep adding length to it as your belief in your ability grows. You know, the pain's not going anywhere, but your interpretation of that pain and your belief in the ability to deal with that pain, you know, whatever that pain might be, does um, does improve. So that's the next one second technique. So if you're, you know, particularly when you're dealing with something very, very intense, like pain, guilt, you know, emotional heartache, you know, just going through, can I get through the next one second, over and over and over again is a really, really, like, great way of, uh, of dealing with it. So, um, yeah, really hope you've enjoyed um, me sharing that with you. The Gist of It podcast. Better mindset, better decisions, better life. On Monday, last week, um, after, I mean, this is directly after the operation, I think maybe maybe an hour after uh, waking up, um, I had the first incident I can remember where I thought my life was ending. It scared the fucking shit out of me. Um, really, it's not a very glamorous story, but I don't particularly care. I'm not, I'm not really one for ego. So, um, yeah, so I'd had my surgery and uh, needed to go to the toilet, as most humans do at some point. So uh, I felt the pain had kind of calmed down at this stage, and I felt able to get up. You know, I did this all under the guidance of one of the nurses. Um, and, yeah, got my crutches, and with the nurse's help, got to the toilet um, sat down to go sat down to go for a wee because there's no way I was going to be standing for a wee after spinal fusion um, and the nurse said she'd leave me to it so she you know, she left the door ajar went out and left, left me in peace and I just sat there and I was like Jesus Christ it's hot in here I just put my uh, my hand onto my very bald head and uh, just it was like someone had tipped a bucket of water over me. I was just literally dripping with sweat, and I just started, just started thinking to myself, 
oh shit, I really don't feel very well at all. Just started feeling very, very dizzy, very faint, um, just not really very with it at all. Um, and then had the uh, um, common sense, I guess, to to ring for the nurse and about a few seconds later just kind of started doing a bit of an Elvis and kind of just slumping back into the back into the back of the toilet the cistern is that the doesn't matter um, and yeah the nurse came in at that point and I just remember her screaming can I get some help in here please like in quite a oh shit I'm really worried kind of way and I just remember her kind of being there kind of crouched down next to me with her arm around me um, and then all these people rushing in and kind of just my head like rolling back and forwards as my eyes just kept trying to close and then this was this I mean felt weak and horrible and sweaty and clammy and just all of the things you don't really want, really want to be feeling um, but what was terrifying is I can remember these thing, looking up and seeing these doctors and nurses pretty five or six of them um, you know, all kind of cramming into this kind of fairly small toilet um, and just remember them all saying don't let your eyes close Chris don't let them close, Chris don't let your eyes close just over and over like, and we've all seen films where there's someone who's dying and there's paramedics or there's nurses or there's doctors over them you know like someone's cradling them perhaps and looking at them looking them like dead in the eye just asking them to not let their eyes close and I just, with how weak and, and the pain and the everything else that my body was telling me about, I, I genuinely started become becoming convinced that I was actually dying, you know, with you know, which I I don't know is if it's dramatic, but given everything that I was sensing and you know everything I was hearing, everything I was seeing, uh, you know, my overall experience very much felt like one of this is the end of my life um, and it was so fucking scary you know I felt you know I was probably just dropping into unconsciousness multiple times but um, do we really know what the difference between unconsciousness and going into death is actually like it's from a user experience perhaps not um but I do remember asking, am I dying? And not really getting a response. But as you might have noticed, I'm not dead because I'm recording this, so I didn't die. Um, but yeah, they uh, managed to get me up from the toilets. I think about six different medical staff members saw my penis. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, I was spent the next... I'm going to say three to four hours just lying on a hospital bed on oxygen sleeping so yeah um, my I, I don't think they know exactly what happened but they do know that my blood pressure dropped to like 75 over 49 which is ridiculously low um, so yeah that definitely it was probably just a massive blood pressure drop for some reason or another um, but yeah it was it was it was scary um, I wouldn't say my, my life def definitely didn't flash before my eyes I don't think it's 
um, affected me in any way, or you know, I haven't all of a sudden started believing in God or anything. Um, but it was a very surreal experience that I don't know. I don't know if it's interesting to share or not. I mean, you know, you, you, you may have switched off five minutes ago and you're not hearing this. I don't know. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, not something that I'm looking to experience again in a hurry. Made me definitely want to be alive rather than not alive. Um, <clears throat> but coming back out of um, out of hospital and then uh, having recovery at my uh, my parents is um that's the next stage of the um getting that kind of thing sorted getting my back sorted is the is basically the the step the foundation which needs to happen um now for me I think that's the, the the biggest goal that I have um and yeah recovering from back surgery is not fun you know, can in no way be described as fun. Um, I'm not someone who likes um, just sitting around watching trash TV. So that's not it's not something I do well. I prefer to be busy. I prefer to be prefer to. Be, I'll say that again. I prefer to be someone who feels like they're doing something that has purpose. Um, I mean, I, I don't mind. You know, come come the evening, I like to switch off and just watch stuff. You know, that's fine. Um, but you know, during inverted commas work hours I like to feel like I'm working so that's been a bit of a challenge but um, let's have some water and I guess this has been a real lesson to myself in um, limitations and setting boundaries for myself um, I'm pretty independent so you know having to get my um, 71 year old mother to make me a cup of tea is um <clears throat> that's not like it's, it's fine but it's just like not what I want to be doing I, I want to be doing things myself I want to be I mean I'm, I'm sorting out my own medicines and things you know but you know I want to be cooking my own dinner you know I don't don't want my my <laughs> my parents who are both in their 70s 70s to be doing stuff for me it just doesn't feel right but I kind of had to have a um, a bit of a reality check with myself because one of the foundations of what I believe is that you know gratitude is the path to being content in life and Jesus Christ I'm so goddamn lucky to have a place to come and recover in after surgery it's so great that I've got both my parents here and not only are they um, here but they are willing and able they, they've changed dressings for me they've cooked dinners for me they've you know, they've gone and got stuff. They've moved pillows around for me because it's stuff that, you know, post serious back operation is not easy stuff to be able to do for yourself. And whilst I don't like having people to do everything for me, I've had to recognise the own limitation that's been put on myself, you know, by what I've had done. Um, and that comes down, I think, a lot to the uh, acceptance of the the circumstances that, you know whoever you are, whatever you're doing however you find yourself accepting that, I mean I could bitch and moan and you know go on and on about you know oh my god I want to do this or oh my god I want to do that and whatever but that's not what I'm capable of at the moment, it's insane to think about you know cooking a 
proper meal for myself when I can like I can barely stand for a minute, you know, un unaided. You know, it's it's absolute insanity. So I think the reckon the recognition of your limitations at any given moment um is really important and to be honest with yourself about what those limitations are this kind of ties in quite nicely with what i was saying about the start about your reasons and your excuses and whether they're valid or whether they're you know there's another thing hiding behind them um so you know post back surgery i have an awful lot of limitations that i'm not particularly happy with but also i have two beautiful daughters who I absolutely adore who want an active daddy again they want a daddy who can take them out for days out again that you know can play around with them can you know, they don't have to worry about hurting when they hug me you know and that is the real driving goal that you know that gives me that grateful slap in the face and says yeah it might not it might be a little bruising to your ego that you're 36 and you need your 70 year old parents to do stuff for you but in not very long relatively speaking you're going to be back on your feet your back's going to be stronger than ever and you're going to be able to do all the things that you do want to be able to do if you're a fucking idiot and you decide that you're going to try and push yourself too far too soon then what you want is going to be pushed further away as well by pushing yourself, you're pushing time further down the line. And, you know, that's not anything that anyone wants, really. Recognising your own limitations and being grateful for where you are. You know, I'm going to be writing an awful lot about gratitude in the blogs. There's loads of blogs so we're at uh, justcoaching.co.uk. A um, whole bunch on there already, and there's going to be more added pretty much on a weekly basis, because I quite like... Uh, putting blogs out there and the feedback I'm getting from people reading them has been really good um, so there will be more on gratitude on there but I just think it's such an important thing to you know on your the worse your day is the more things you've got to find to be grateful for on that day you know if, if you've had the worst day ever you dig to the very depths of your soul to find out find things to be grateful for even if you have to go down to the ridiculous things, that, well, the things that you think like ridiculous, like, when was the last time you went, isn't it great? How lucky am I to have running water? Lo loads of places, loads of people in the world, no running water. When was the last time you thought about how grateful you are for that? Or for just having a roof over your head? Or for the fact that you have multiple outfit choices? You know, all of the things, if you're listening to this in the kind of the, the Western world, um, all of the things that you can be grateful for in terms of that side of things it's like yeah there's there's a whole bunch of shit going on in the world and you know, there's people being horrible to each other and there's people making awful decisions which impact on other people um, and that's all really really rubbish but there's always things to be grateful for you know, one of the worst days of my life I still made sure at the end of the day I sat down and dug deep to find every silver lining, every positive I possibly could on that day. It wasn't easy, and I'm not suggesting that it is easy, but the worse a day is, the more you've got to fight to find those positives. Because they are there, they might be hiding, 
might have to dig six feet down like move a corpse to the side or something to find them but they are there the silver linings whatever you want to call them those things that make you go yeah well actually I can see how that's a good thing and maybe you think I'm talking complete nonsense and maybe you think that there's no, there's you know what what the, what the hell do I know what the hell am I talking about but you know I've me just like everyone else I've been through some shit and everything that's happened to me everything I find something good to come out of it sometimes it's taken me years to go oh yeah that thing that happened in 2017 yeah I now recognise why that's actually quite a good thing because it taught me this or now I know this about this person and I know that that person is now better out of my life you know or whatever it might be so gratitude acceptance you know you get those those two things get that right then you're going to be a long way down the road to being you know a lot more content with your life yeah there's a whole bunch of blogs over at justcoaching.co.uk you can uh, sign up to a mailing list there if you'd like to be made aware of uh, new blogs coming out um, there'll be more podcast episodes coming shortly if you are interested in working with me um, one-on-one as a uh, life coaching client you think we might get on then uh, get in touch uh, chris at justcoaching.co.uk or go onto my website justcoaching.co.uk and uh register your interest i only ever work with 20 people at a time i do have spaces available at the time of this recording uh once i have reached 20 the doors are closed until i have finished you know until i have a space available available again um so yeah i hope you've enjoyed listening to the gist of it podcast i've been chris piercy thanks for listening again and uh yeah i will uh, hopefully you'll listen to another episode soon thanks for tuning in to the gist of it podcast Enjoyed today's episode? Then give us a rating and hit subscribe. Head to gistcoaching.co.uk to read blogs, get in touch or find out more about working directly with Chris to get your shit together. To follow us on social media, search for Gist Life Coaching.